0: Hey, this is John at The Bible Project. In this episode of the podcast, we're starting a new series on the topic of justice in the Bible. We have a new theme video on justice coming out on our YouTube channel soon. And so these conversations are Tim and I talking through the theme of justice and righteousness, how it weaves through the biblical story. This is a very important and timely conversation. This is also a very convicting conversation, but at the same time a really exciting and empowering conversation for those who follow Jesus. We'll look at how the theme of justice and righteousness weaves through the biblical story. The phrase, giving someone their
1: rights, protecting their rights, all this language comes from the Bible. All this language of rights in our culture is rooted in the old King James translation. And so what is for the, you know, for the prophets, what does true justice look like? What does mishpat and mercy look like? It's where the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant don't have to worry about their safety. It's a community where they don't have to worry about who's going to take advantage of them. That is the just society.
0: So what's the Bible's vision for justice and righteousness? Thanks for joining us. Here we go. All right, we're going to talk about justice in the Bible.
1: Yeah, we're laying groundwork for a new theme video, biblical theme of justice
0: in the Bible. And I've got six pages of of your notes in front of me. (laughs) Sorry. I'm ready to learn. All right. Bring the learn. It's hard
1: to know where to begin. Justice, the word justice appears a lot in the Bible, actually. The word, I did my word search numbers this morning. The word Hmm. justice... Or the word underneath that occurs over 400 times in the Old Testament alone. Mm. And then once you bring the related vocabulary word righteousness in the mix, that appears another 130 times just in the
0: Old Testament. Righteousness is 130, justice is 400. 400.
1: And they're related. They aren't that related in English anymore, Mm. but they're deeply related uh, in the storyline of the Bible. Okay. So, first, as we kind of normally do, we kind of need to clear the ground, Mm. identify what's going on in English with our categories with these words. Sure. And then find a way to check those at the door. Yeah. And then let the Bible kind of rebuild its own categories from the ground up. So, the other
0: day, Paxton, my oldest, came up to me and he said, Papa, it's not fair. Sayers watching a show, I should be able to watch a show too. And so I, I said, well, What do you mean it's not fair? And he goes, It's not fair. It means he gets to do something that I don't get to do. <laughs> and I was like, Well, that happens all the time. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Like you get to go to school and he doesn't get to go to school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you get to wear <laughs> underwear during the day and he doesn't get to. Yeah. I mean, so like, and I could see him kind of thinking about it and mm. he kind of was getting it, but then he was like, No. No, Yeah, you're trying to pull one over on You're me. trying to pull one over <laughs> me. If he's watching the show, I get to watch the show. Yeah, that's right. But uh, so fairness is definitely something yeah. just deeply ingrained in his psyche. And it actually kind of surprised me. I was just thinking, like, I never sat down with him and was like, Paxton, mm. let me teach you about fairness. Yes, here's – yeah, that's right. You know? Right. Like, if someone else gets something, you should get it too. Mm-hmm. It's just something he learned mm-hmm. and has become a core value of his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it t- Yeah, it's a value
1: that tends to form early. And in almost all human beings, I'm I'm not a philosopher or a you know anthropologist or anything, but I think this is a fairly accurate statement to say all human cultures develop
0: a sense of fairness. Yeah,
1: and have deep rooted because it's rooted in in the human experience of being aware of other people's life experience, and then being aware of what I lack, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that's either not going on in my life and they have that going on. So I should be able to have that going on Mm -hmm. because they're stoked on watching shows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or ice cream or having clean water or having religious freedom or having... If he gets it,
0: I should get it too. Mm -hmm. And that is equitable.
1: Yeah. So our English word, which has a long history... Well, there's a few words. I guess, fair. That's mm-hmm. what your son was saying, fair. Yeah. But just is the classic English word. It's not just. That's an adjective. And then the noun that comes out of that is the English word justice, hmm. which has a, you know, you have, you're, you have an online etymology thing you sometimes use. Right. I just did a quick Oxford English Dictionary search. Justice comes from the Latin word justus, meaning fair or upright. The noun, yeah, is
0: justitia. 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 Upright is a metaphor. Yeah, it is not crooked. Not crooked. Yeah, and so and that actually is in the Old Testament a lot. Like a, it is uprightness. Uprightness. Yes. Yes. That's yeah, that's a different word. Uh, it's a different word,
1: but it's related. It's, yeah, and we'll see some examples of that. Yeah, F- fairness. Up straightness. Straightness. Yeah, there's yeah. a straightness to how humans ought to relate to each other, and it becomes very evident when things become are crooked.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Between humans, things were crooked between your sons. Right.
0: <laughs> it's crooked. Yeah. And why is straight become so meaningful to mm. us versus mm. crooked? Yeah. Something's crooked. It's it's not as easy to work with. Mm. It's less beautiful. Mm. It's it might be damaged in some way when mm. it's crooked. Mm-hmm. I mean, things in nature are always crooked. Yeah, that's right. Branches There's and huge straight things, veins and yeah, mm-hmm. but humans create straight things. Nothing yep. in nature is straight. No, no. Nope. Nothing.
1: Yeah, I yeah remember being very aware of this after I started skateboarding. <laughs> 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 what was that? Well, everything, because all you're looking for is smooth concrete. Right. How much you like a place yeah. is dependent on whether the concrete's smooth. Mm. So, yeah, I remember different parts of town, older parts of town. yeah. Over time, I've, yeah,
0: straight things become crooked, yeah, and smooth things become bumpy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So anyhow, but but the whole point is that nowhere in the forest do you encounter a surface for skateboarding. Right. Like, never, <laughs> yeah. It's clearly a, a
0: exactly. hum, human-made entity. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. We just watched The Lion King as a family, hmm. and um, huh. it's weird to have you know because in The Lion King. The the animals are all anthropomorphized, so um, but they're animals. Mm. So the lions, they eat the gazelles and stuff, and they have to talk about it, and they have to figure out like how do we talk about how is this fair, inherently fair? And the way they talk about it is the circle of life. Huh. So huh. like the the father, forget his name, but Simba's dad. Simba's like, oh man, we eat the animals like that. that's a bummer, and he's like, well. We eat the animals, but then we die and we become dirt where the grass grows and the animals eat us. And so (laughs) there's this inherent fairness in the circle of life. Yeah. But humans just are like on a different, we kind of seem to be creating a world of justice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that isn't inherent in the natural order. We're trying to bring it out.
1: Yeah. It's a human project, Mm -hmm. the creation of a just community. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't come from some previous stage of development there's nothing it actually is unlike anything in the universe Mm. there actually is a good analogy to that Annie Dillard she went to go live in a small cabin by a creek Mm -hmm. for a long period of time Mm. to just isolate herself and be alone with nature Mm. and so the book is about her experience and one of her big takeaways in the book was that she actually became had this whole season where she was terrified by what she was seeing every day Hmm. down at the creek. Namely, that nature, this beautiful idyllic thing that she was going to experience was absolutely bloodthirsty and terrifying. (laughs) So she has this whole thing about a praying mantis, like what kind Mm. of a horrible creature a praying mantis is. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so it led to this, it leads to this reflection of, yeah, nature um, is not just There's nothing just right. about how animals behave towards each other. Yeah, there's nothing in Man. the natural world that leads logically or n- you know <clears throat> naturally yeah. to our concept of straightness and yes. how humans relate to each other. Right, don't come into existence in a just way. Here's the here's a quote from Annie Dillard. Okay, <clears throat> there's not a person in the world who behaves as badly as praying mantises. <laughs> but wait, you say. There is no right or wrong in nature. Right or wrong is a human concept. Exactly. We are moral creatures living in an amoral universe. Or consider the alternative. It's just a human feeling that's freakishly amiss in the world. Hmm. Okay then, we're freaks of nature and nature is what is normal. So let's go, let's all go have lobotomies <laughs> and be restored to our natural state. Hmm. And we can leave lobotomized, go back to the creek, and live on its banks, untroubled like any muskrat or weed. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> you go first. Annie Dillard, pilgrim at Tinker Creek. Is that Brilliant. The, is
0: that the idea of, like, the golem in a way? Oh. Huh. Like, huh. you kind of just go back to this instinctual, mm. animalistic. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, her point, yeah, justice, the just society is very much a- We all want it. We all want it. And it's a, if it's going to happen, it's going to be something humans create. Mm-hmm. It's not going to natural, the natural trajectory of human relationships is not towards justice. Mm-hmm. At least human history has not shown that to be the case. There has to be some active force, or choice, or value system, or story driving people to
0: live unnaturally. <laughs> but isn't wasn't like Martin Luther King Jr.'s thing about the arc of history is mm-hmm. long, but it bends towards bends justice. Towards justice, correct. So he's saying the opposite thing, right? Which is, yeah, um, there is a force pushing us towards justice.
1: Correct. Yes, he's saying that very much as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Living in the biblical story. Okay.
0: So the biblical story uh, animating Mm -hmm. us as humans is bending towards justice, not nature itself. God's at work in the world, Dr.
1: King believed, through Jesus to bend the universe back towards straightness. That's the Christian story. Hmm. Otherwise, humans left to their own devices or left to alternative stories will descend into injustice. Anyway, just as a as a preface, so so here's what's interesting in our culture today. Every justice is a very fashionable word. It's a word. It's a positive word that gets respect hmm. if you can claim to have justice on your side. Yeah. But in our kind of modern Western culture, um, that comes out of these kind of Judeo Christian roots, we it's an extremely confused conversation happening about what constitutes justice
0: right we all want justice but we don't necessarily agree on what it is
1: yeah because how how you define what is the straight thing and Mm -hmm. what is the crooked thing uh, actually isn't self-evident just like it's not self-evident in nature it comes from a set of core values usually religious values a worldview that says these things in life are the ultimate goods or the ultimate values. So a helpful book that I was pointed to by Timothy Keller, who wrote an excellent book on a Christian vision of justice called Generous Justice. And in it, uh, right at the beginning, he quoted from this Harvard law professor who wrote this book that was excellent. His name is Michael Sandel, and it's called Justice, What's the Right Thing to Do? And Sandel's not a Christian. Well, actually, he might be. I don't know. I haven't looked up his Wikipedia page. But he's not (laughs) writing as a Christian for Christians. Okay. He's trying to identify the fact that America and the West, modern West, Europe too, lives in this really confused state where we, we all say liberty and justice, but we have subcultures that have totally different core values that define what the just thing is. Okay. And he boils them down to three that I found are helpful. And this, will be, this is helpful for understanding what's going on in the Bible with justice. That's why I'm bringing this up. Okay. So he says there's a whole group and subculture with political parties attached. Their core value in defining what is straight or just, he calls it the maximizing welfare view. So the straight action, the just action, is whatever will bring the greatest amount of good and reduce the greatest harm for the greatest number of people. But as a core principle, if the core is whatever reduces harm and increases flourishing for the greatest number of people, mm-hmm. that if that's your guide... Mm. That does get you going in a direction that will make life good for many people. Mm-hmm. But what that core value doesn't do is help you determine what is the greatest good and what defines harm. Mm-hmm. Like you have to define that. Sure. So anyway, this is in a broad, these are very broad strokes.
0: So maximizing welfare, basically what will help the most people yeah. and, and not hurt and hurt the least people. And hurt the least amount of people. Yeah. And whatever we do, we should always be maximizing that. Yeah, that's a true north. And in that view, it's a social equity. So Correct. you're getting more and more towards mm-hmm. equality mm-hmm. for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Is how that would yep. bend.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, this view would find itself most often expressed in more socialist political groups.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So groups that are really interested in redistribution <clears throat> of resources and making sure everyone has equal rights. Correct. Um, uh,
1: well, actually, he, that's number two. Oh, he thinks okay. that's different. Yeah. Th- and they're not all different universes. These three overlap. overlap. But the point is if you listen to our public discourse about justice, mm-hmm. you'll tend to find these three patterns in people's arguments.
0: And, but or, people could have a number of them people, operating. Yeah.
1: Usually we're a hodgepodge. Yeah. But we tend to value one more than the
0: other. Okay. Yeah. Maximizing welfare, got it. Maximizing
1: welfare. Sandel says the second is the respecting freedom view. So this is about liberty, individual liberty. So justice is what creates the greatest amount of respect for the rights and freedoms of each individual to live how they want to live. Hmm. This is deep-rooted in American Mm. (laughs) culture, history. Mm -hmm. You know, Don't tread on me. Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do. I had a
0: hat (laughs) that said, don't tread on me Hmm. with a snake in a boot. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know what it meant. Hmm. Uh, I just thought it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Was it it a trucker hat? Yeah, it was a trucker hat. (laughs) And I wore it like for a long time. And then later when I wasn't wearing anymore, I learned that that symbol had a lot of meaning. And then it just occurred to me like, man, a lot of people just assume something about me Mm. because of that hat. (laughs) Rightfully so probably. My liberty. Yeah, liberty.
1: So uh, this is a, if this is your core value, Sandel says, these will be groups that their, for their, the view of the just society is a society that will accommodate and adapt to promote the fair treatment and the equal liberties of every single different kind of person. And then the last kind of core distinct vision of justice Sandel talks about is he calls it the promoting virtue view. So justice is what is going to shape a society so that people act as they ought to in accordance with moral virtue. Mm. Here there's a vision of humans ought to behave this way. A certain kind of moral compass, a certain level of virtue and integrity. And the just society is what will push people to become like this. Okay. So the freedom view tends to get connected with what in America is called political liberalism. I think. Uh, libertarianism. Libertarianism. Right. Um, the third is often... is Conservatism. Con, yeah, political conservatism. And then the first, maximizing welfare, is often connected with socialism. And liberalism, yeah. And so Sandel's point is, when you're talking across the spectrum... It's just helpful to be aware that even though you're using the same vocabulary, yeah. <laughs> these words justice right. and fairness, you actually have really different
0: views. Yeah, you put a liberal socialist, a libertarian, and like a conservative in the same room, Yeah, and they're all using the word justice. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. using them in, very, in a different way.
1: Yeah. yeah, so plug in any of our hot topic, cultural debate. Yeah, I was just thinking whether, about that. Yeah, whether it's about uh, wage... Well, let's talk... But just go down the hit list and you can begin to plug them in, like minimum wage or right to life, Mm -hmm. abortion issues, Mm -hmm. or anything to do with definitions of marriage. Yeah. Or... Where it seems
0: really hot right now, or comes up a lot, is transgendered issues. That's right, gender. That's right. So, like, the respect for freedom would be, hey, Mm -hmm. what you want to do, Yeah, you know, like, don't... Like, if, if someone else is able to marry someone, you should be able to marry someone. Correct. Or and yeah. uh, if someone has a choice who they want to marry, you should have a choice who you're going to marry. Yeah. Or, yeah. So that's the, like, just liberty. Yep. But then if you think of it through the virtue lens, yes. then yeah. you might say, no, there actually has to be Correct. some yeah. boundaries to this.
1: Yeah, actually marriage is a good example. There's been voices from the first view, maximizing welfare, <clears throat> non-religious voices mm. from the maximizing welfare view arguing against the redefinition of marriage. Oh, okay. I forget who it was. But they were a couple of like law professors, hmm. and they were arguing against the redefinition of marriage, not from a religious point of view.
0: They were saying we shouldn't redefine marriage because it won't maximize Because it, it'll actually welfare. be, t-
1: in the long run, they made a historical argument that it will be to the detriment of our society as a whole. Huh. So, just the point is,
0: these are three different... You could take that issue and you could argue it through any of these three lenses. Correct. For it or against it. And you're going to get into different places Mm -hmm. when you start with any of those.
1: So, Sandel's point is, this is a 30,000 foot map of American views of justice and how it shapes. Very charged emotional conversations in our culture. Um, So, here's what tends to happen is there are r- religious believers of all kinds, Christians of all kinds, who are in all of those camps. And what tends to happen is the Bible, the yeah, role— Yeah, you get
0: conservative Christians, you yeah. get liberal and And, and they will and
1: all get... appeal to the Bible as advocating for, mm-hmm. for, for their particular point of view. And this was Tim Keller's point and, and why he brought up Sandel. And this is, I think, just the point to make. And I don't know— we won't be able to have this conversation in the Justice video, I don't think. Right. Maybe acknowledge it. Okay. That it's complex. But it's just saying the, the Bible, what we tend to do is be in a camp ourselves, have a point of view ourselves, and assume that the Bible supports my particular point of view. Yeah. And what's fascinating is when you look at all of these hundreds of uses of these words, justice and righteousness, in the Old and New Testaments, You find that actually the biblical definition of justice taps into all of these. It actually, it doesn't support one against the other. There are different places where biblical authors uh, will be connecting to each of these core values, Um, which means this. It means the Bible doesn't fit neatly into our more modern categories all of a sudden a a, like a broken record Yeah, <laughs> it takes great discipline to just set aside our modern debates about whatever topic and just listen learn how to listen to the biblical story and how it defines justice and then come back to our modern context and see what wisdom it has to offer us but the unique thing is that it doesn't just tap into any one of these it actually unites them in, I think under a bigger a bigger vision
0: and so this bigger vision is a fourth bucket
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know we'll just have to let the conversation unfold all right and go there Here is a helpful place to start. One of the most famous Bible verses about justice it's from the Old Testament. A prophet from Micah of Moresheth. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the sixth chapter, uh, he has this classic line. Yes, he, he says, God has told you, O human, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. It is to do justice and to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God.
0: Just yeah. Epic. And Yeah. Did epic. you sing that as a kid? No. I have. I know this, there's a song to it. Oh, there is? Yeah. Huh. Um, I don't know. It's not like a hymn. I don't know. Huh. I know it would have been written. Hmm. Maybe it's a hymn. Huh. But yeah. There you we go. We would sing it.
1: It's that, it's that line. It's a little poem. He's told you, O human, what's good, what the Lord requires of you. Three things to do justice, love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Mm. The Hebrew word justice, you don't have to clear your throat. It's very simple to say. Mishpat. 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 And in the context of Micah as a whole, Micah uh, Mm. was accusing the leaders of Israel specifically. So remember, the Israelites are in the land. Joshua um, divided up the land, all the tribes. Mm -hmm. Everybody's supposed to have their own piece of land that they can work and develop and cultivate to provide for themselves, and to contribute to their community.
0: It seems very fair.
1: It's, it's a very fair. Yeah, in the Old Testament story, the land boundaries, and it's like the ideal state where everybody has the chance to work hard and yeah. contribute. But as the kingdom period went on, it's just what naturally happens, just like what happens at Tinker Creek. <laughs> as there are certain individuals begin to accumulate through... Fair or unfair means mm-hmm. more resources, more land. Mm-hmm. And what I Micah identifies is there's people who are changing the boundary lines at nighttime. Oh. Or there's people who are buying land from lower income landowners and mm-hmm. then slowly turning them into bond servants or slaves. Mm-hmm. Or they rig the weight systems in the markets mm-hmm. so that... Wheat is you know it's whatever Sketchy. it's what it's what humans do, yeah, and he's ticked, hmm. oh my gosh, like the whole book of Micah, he's ticked, <laughs> and so this statement comes at the pinnacle of him accusing the elite leaders and landowners of Israel, and that's what he says. here's what God defines as good: justice, mercy, and humility. so we'll talk about what he means by mishpat, yeah. but it's interesting that he joins it mm. with mercy and humility mm. so one part of what he means is hey we need to go like settle these disputes and right these wrongs these are inequities probably need to go to a courtroom He means
0: that by doing justice
1: so by doing justice but it's clear that he doesn't mean only that this is going to happen in a courtroom hmm because he joins these three things together doing justice but also loving mercy so mercy
0: is about your
1: motivation for why you would do justice.
0: Whatever justice is. Okay, it's... can we yeah, let's back up. Okay. So the whole courtroom thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in our culture and in many human societies, when there is a dispute about whether something that's happened is fair or not. Yeah. Just or not. Yes, yes. We've created a system in which we can try to get to <laughs> try to get to that answer yeah. in the best way possible. By calling in witnesses, by looking at evidence, mm-hmm. and by someone... Or appealing to legal statutes
1: that define mm-hmm. what a- is right. Appealing to what in we've our, already decided. In our land.
0: Yeah, yeah, is the right and wrong thing to do. Yeah. And then interpreting mm-hmm. those things. And this is all presided mm-hmm. over by a judge, mm-hmm. generally. Who, who's carrying
1: out the statutes of the definitions of right and wrong created yeah. by a body of... Elected leaders.
0: Yeah. So the whole process <laughs> yeah, of yeah, finding right. justice yeah. then happens in an environment that mm-hmm. we're calling the courthouse. Yep. Yeah. So if you're trying, ah. if you're trying to do justice, mm-hmm. oftentimes it will end up in court. That's mm-hmm. just the place where yeah. justice yeah. is yeah. considered. Mm-hmm. It can be considered in other places around the around a table. Yeah. Yeah. With friends. But, um,
1: but in terms of where things get decided in a public way yeah. and for the public good. Yeah. So actually here, yeah, we're to two. This is right below in the notes. And there's two main modes of justice that you can think about. One is you could call it like uh, retributive or rectifying justice. This is like what happens in a courtroom. You stole five bucks. That's wrong in our land. That's mm-hmm. crooked. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to make that straight. You need to pay five bucks and probably do some community service and
0: yeah whatever. So that's... You put us all out, so you need to Yeah. yeah. Or contribute. I was accused
1: of stealing five bucks. I didn't steal five bucks. And now you've put me out of all this time to, t- to sit here in this room and prove to you that I didn't steal five bucks. It's both you're declaring behavior wrong and ma- and it needs rectifying to... Rectifying it. Rectifying it, which means punishment or recompense, mm-hmm. right? So that's one mode of justice. But then there's another mode of justice, um, you could call it uh, restorative, which is we're going to create codes by which we choose to live and the creation of those codes will embody a vision of straightness or justness. And as we draw those up, who are we going to pay attention to? Who are these laws going to benefit And there's this is a huge debate, of course, in like modern political theory Mm -hmm. In the creation of laws. Should laws be oriented as completely irrespective of persons or should there be laws created uh, specifically for certain groups that tend to
0: get the short end of the stick? Yeah,
1: get the short end of the stick more often than anybody else. So we're going to create specific laws Mm -hmm. so that these people get a leg up, get a leg up. Yeah, and this is huge debates. But but there's two modes, and that doesn't happen in courtroom. That happens on...
0: Uh, legislation?
1: On the, Yeah, we would call this legislation in our culture. And there we're talking about, like, rights. Mm. Somebody's rights being protected by the creation of law. So, the question is, what's Micah talking about? To do justice.
0: Is he saying, go to a courthouse, and mm-hmm. anyone mm-hmm. who's stolen needs to be punished? Yeah. Or is he saying... So and but if you're doing that, what? If, why does he combine that with mercy
1: and humility? Right, because yeah. when you go to a courthouse, it's not about mercy. It's not about it, mercy. It's just like you stole five bucks. It's about justice. It's about
0: justice. It's about what's right. And wrong. Yes.
1: Okay. So, so it's about justice in it in that retributive mm-hmm. sense. Oh, I Re- see. Retributional. But sense. the
0: other sense does have mercy because if you say, mm-hmm. "Hey, look at this group of people," yes, are often marginalized. Yep. No matter what. Mm-hmm. They always end up being marginalized. Yes. So let's proactively mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mercifully yep. create yeah. rules yeah. which protect them. Yep. Yeah. And that that means you you're not actually seeking strict justice. Mm-hmm. You're doing you're, you're doing something merciful. And here we're to it. Okay. This is the nub of the issue.
1: In the Bible, the word mishpat. Nine times out of 10 gets used in that second sense.
0: Mm, the merciful sense.
1: Creating a society where the most disadvantaged and the most vulnerable are supported and cared for. Hmm. And you're creating legislation and your, your leaders are specifically focusing on the most vulnerable in the community. Hmm. Of the four, 400 plus uses of the word mishpat, um, the vast majority are focused on that on that second one,
0: hmm.
1: which is why in the Bible, justice is often connected with mercy, and love, humility. humility. And you think, well, that's, it, it's great if a judge in a courtroom is like a nice guy. Sure. But it's, it's, irrele- it's irrelevant to his yeah. role as
0: judge. Yeah. Sometimes they kind of need to be a <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, yeah.
1: hard nose. Yeah. So that's where the Bible is just talking. It's mm-hmm. using, we have this English word to translate mishpat, But mishpat is about much, much more than just what happens in the courtroom. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. So mercy is about looking on people who are in situations that are difficult and that are not my situation. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to act in their favor or do good to them, Mm -hmm. that's called mercy. Mm. And the same with humility. I'm going to treat other people as more important than me. Mm. And so their problems, I make my problems. And... This is one of the main meanings of mishpat, justice. Hmm. To make other people's problems my problems is justice in the Bible.
0: Nine times out of ten.
1: Yeah, I'm going to show you many examples. All right, let's look at some examples. (laughs) Okay, so here's what's interesting. Here's how this restorative sense works out. Well, here's how it's kind of like this development of meaning, this interesting. Restorative is the second one. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
0: So Retributive and restorative.
1: Yeah. Retributive is punishing wrongdoers by the standard of justice. Restorative is making sure everybody in my community is treated fairly and is given opportunity to flourish. Okay. So this is um, the phrase giving someone their rights. Okay. Protecting their rights. All this language comes from the Bible. (laughs) All this language of rights (laughs) in our culture is rooted in old King James translation. Okay. And kind of, it's really fascinating. So this is really Old Testament trivia. Uh, which of the tribes, when Joshua divided up the land and all the tribes got to live on their land, which of the tribes actually didn't get their own land inheritance?
0: Oh, yeah, the Levites. Good job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there you go. I couldn't have answered that a long time ago. Hmm. I don't. That's not like common knowledge. Anyway, maybe it is if you've read the Bible. But.
0: Well, I... It wasn't from reading the Bible. It's from whatever, whatever. Bible classes Growing or whatever. Growing up church or yeah. something.
1: So the Levites' job wasn't to work the land. They weren't farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a tribe dedicated of in shifts, volunteering at the temple. Mm-hmm. The, the Levites were grounds and maintenance for, for and <laughs> facilities. For the temple. For the temple. Yeah. And then one tribe within Levi were the one actual group, priests the, from the line of Aaron and Zadok and so yeah. on. Yeah. So, so the, uh, all of the tribes were to donate a, t- a tenth or a tithe of their fields, produce, and animals. Yeah. So this is where the word tithe comes from. What's interesting is multiple places, here's just one example, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, it's talking about all of the other tribes giving a tenth of their income to the Levites. This this temple tax is called the Levites Mishpat. It's the Mishpat of the Levites. mm mm-hmm. Now, it makes no sense to translate that word justice there. It's the justice of the Levites. What are we talking about? So we're talking about they've arranged their society so that the right and good thing Mm. is to have one whole group of people that's supported by the income of the other tribes to maintain the worship and the honor of God in the temple. Mm. And so we have decided that the Levites have a right, a mishpat, Hmm. a right Two, one-tenth of the income of all the other tribes. Hmm. They create that. And to not do that, then, is to do injustice. Hmm. It's to violate their rights. So this is what's at the core of this meaning of restorative justice, is that there are these certain people who have unique rights. And so we as an Israelite society, need to be aware of who these unique people are because their rights could be easily neglected. So uh, think about it. You know, these Levites, these guys aren't working the land. They could starve if the rest of the tribes don't respect their mishpat, their God-given
0: right. But isn't it the case that the people running the temple were the ones in power? So it's not like they had to be careful for their rights. They, like, were the ones that could
1: kind oh, of— Oh, well, by the time after the exile— in the time of the kingdom, or before the kingdom, that was not the case. Okay. But once there's no... in the Because second, there's no king. In the second temple period, the high priest came to take the role of like governor, yeah. priest. Okay. Yeah. But that was not... I see. That was not the case. Uh, okay.
0: Bef- before, before the, the kingdom exile. period, yeah. when it's just a band of tribes... Yep. If there's one tribe that's saying... Hey guys, we're gonna take care of all the temple worship stuff mm-hmm. for, on behalf of everyone. So we're not gonna farm, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna depend on you to take care of us mm-hmm. by giving us ten yes. percent.
1: Yeah, and everybody agrees and calls that ten percent their mishpat,
0: their their justice, right. It, it, the right, it, it's the what, right of the Levites, the, the right, most, it's okay. their
1: right. So it's their yeah, it's their right. So that's you. I mean, that's kind of intuitive. You get that. Okay. From so there's another group of people whose mishpat is often, often actually talked about way more than the Levites mm-hmm. and anybody else's rights. Biblical scholars call this the, the quartet of the vulnerables: the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. So I could throw thirty examples at you right now. Here's just one from Zechariah chapter seven. Thus says the Lord of Hosts: Dispense true mishpat. And practice mercy and compassion. Those are the two key words from Micah Mm -hmm.
0: chapter 6. Mercy and humility. Yep. But this one's compassion.
1: Uh, Well, no, this is mishpat and mercy and compassion each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, or the poor. So this is just one example. You have an Old Testament prophet who's exposing injustice Mm -hmm. in his community and for israel the whole point was that they are a different kind of community among the nations yeah. that live by different terms to become priests to the nations and so the prophets were constantly zeroing in and so what is for the you know for the prophets what does true justice look like what does mishpat and mercy look like yeah it's where the poor the widow the orphan and the immigrant don't have to worry about their safety it's a community where they don't have to Worried about who's going to take advantage of them. Mm. That is the just society. It's interesting. It's like in the Old Testament, the litmus test for mishpat is whether people in these four groups, are these people worried of who's going to take advantage of them Mm -hmm. tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Are they worrying for their safety or their well-being? If so, that's not a just society, Mm. according to the prophets. Yeah. Which underneath it then assumes, oh, so what is the mishpat. If the mishpat of the Levites is one-tenth of the other tribe's income, Mm -hmm. what is the mishpat of the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant, and the poor in Israel? I think it raises that question. It forces you to think that through. Mm -hmm.
0: What's their right?
1: Yeah, if we're saying, do mishpat and mercy for these people specifically, Mm -hmm. it assumes that they have a right Mm -hmm. that needs to be honored before Mm -hmm. God.
0: Which is to to not be oppressed.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They have a right to not be oppressed because of their condition. That's right. The, all these conditions are vulnerable conditions. Vulnerable conditions.
1: So, yeah. So yeah, ancient Israel. We're, this is an ancient patriarchal farming tribal network. Yeah. So, <laughs> so stability is about being connected to a family, a family that has land. Yeah. So who is not connected to a family? Orphans, immigrants, mm. and the widow. Um, and the widow, yeah, is, is at least be, because it, it was an ancient patriarchal society. The land ownership rights of women in ancient Israel—it was complicated. We least <laughs> say that. And so it would be very easy for one, for an uncle, to mm. grab land from his brother's widow or something mm. like that. Or so we yeah in that kind of community. These are the four that tend to fall through the cracks because yeah. they're not connected to family or land. Hmm. So, And each culture has their different quartet of the vulnerable. Hmm. It just depends on how their economy is structured or right. whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I just put together a short list. Like in, in our own culture, this is just something I've been thinking about uh, as my own parents age, hmm. uh, is just the, the nature of like elder care facilities mm-hmm. in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because you visit... Uh, other family members and uh, maybe they're only on Medicare or something mm-hmm. and the kind of facility, mm. like none of the family members have taken them in. And mm. so it's like not a great situation mm. for millions, millions of elderly people mm. in our culture. And they don't have influence anymore right? <laughs> you know, to speak up, you know. So every culture has its own cracks that people fall through. Yeah. Specific. Well, here, here's the thing. In our culture, we would typically say the person who goes and advocates for the elderly who are in really unacceptable conditions Mm -hmm. in, like, a care facility, or they go and donate, you know, they give food or they provide meals. We call that charity.
0: Mm.
1: We call that charity. Okay. Giving or paying attention to.
0: uh, Or activism.
1: Well, you could call it activism. Well, I guess... it becomes activism when you start to go into the public realm and speak out on behalf of these
0: people who mm-hmm. don't have a voice, okay, and try to create correct uh, justice. Yes,
1: and this is mishpat. It's mishpat motivated by mercy. It's mm. what Micah means when he says do mishpat. Mm. That's rooted in mercy mm. and motivated by humility. You are treating other people's difficult situations as your your own responsibility. Mm. That is mishpat, and um, it just permeates. It permeates the whole Old Testament. Yeah. And it's different. It's just so our word justice doesn't have quite that ring to it.
0: No, uh, not necessarily, but it does a little bit. I mean, it just depends on the context. So it can mean just strictly making sure that our wrongs are righted. So if you stole $5 from someone, it doesn't matter if they're poor or rich, you stole $5. Yes, yeah. And the just thing to do is pay back. But this other thing, this restorative sense of justice, I could see calling someone who spends their life, their their time and their money to help a marginalized mm. or oppressed group of people yeah. as someone who cares about justice. Yes, yes. Like I can see that phrase being used, and not just like simply someone who yes. cares yeah. about charity. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I mean, you can you can use either, I suppose. Yeah, you're but right. I guess. Yeah. Our English more, word
1: justice can cover both of those just like the Hebrew mishpat. word Mishpat.
0: But while nine out of ten times in Hebrew it's mm-hmm. referring to restorative mm-hmm. justice, mm-hmm. I think it's way more weighted for mm-hmm. us to talk about retributive justice. Yeah, mm-hmm. courtrooms. Courtroom justice. Yeah. Recompense. Yeah. Fairness. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. mercy. Versus
1: yeah. Yeah, you're right. And we have other words that cover that ground, like advocacy. Mm-hmm.
0: More activism. It's almost mm-hmm. like there's there's certain, you know, like the civil rights movement. We would now call that a mm. movement of justice. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you're in the thick of it, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. might just call it mm. mercy and advocacy. Mm-hmm. But then eventually you realize like, oh, actually, no, that's just justice. Yes. So it yeah. kind of depends on the point of view you're coming from, yes. too.
1: Yeah. And, and notice how in this vision, it ties together all of... Michael Sandel's kind of three. The maximum number of people are not experiencing the opportunity to flourish. Hmm. Their mishpat is being violated, their right to live here in our community mm-hmm. and exist here and have opportunity. That's being violated. And also, if we aren't a society that makes those people's problems our problems, we aren't actually truly virtuous. Hmm. We aren't showing, we aren't being fully human Oh human what has god required of you mm. to do mishpat to love uh, mercy mm. and to treat walk humbly with humility yeah so it's that's what i meant earlier the biblical vision ties all of these together um, in a way that our culture it's hard to it's hard to capture that <laughs> If you read through uh, the poetry of the Psalms, uh, a huge number of the appearances of this word Mishpat are actually aren't describing what humans do. It's describing who God is and God's character and what God does. Hmm. And actually all of it is rooted in the story of the Exodus. So the justice video, thinking to the video, the Exodus will play a big, big part hmm. of this, uh, of the storyline. So you get, you get a poem like this, Psalm 146. The Lord God, the one who upholds Mishpat for the oppressed. What does it mean? For God to seek mishpat for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He sets prisoners free. He opens the eyes of the blind. He raises up those who are bowed down. He loves the righteous. He protects the immigrant. He supports the fatherless and the widow. And he thwarts the way of the wicked. (laughs) Hmm. This is when God shows up and does mishpat. These are the kinds of things Mm -hmm. that happen. To me, it's interesting. Like there's some things, he thwarts the way of the wicked, takes them to the courtroom, finds them, punishes them. Mm-hmm. We think, yes, all right, justice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He supports the fatherless and the widow. So that, like what we just talked about, advocacy, mm-hmm. protecting the rights of, but then giving food to the hungry, opening the eyes of the blind. These are things that in our culture are connected with generosity or charity. hmm mm-hmm.
0: But in this poem,
1: they all are expressions of mishpat.
0: Yeah. Giving food to the hungry is definitely in the category of, of charity. Mm-hmm. Opening the eyes of the blind hmm. would be like just our desire to just hmm. medical advancements and yeah. helping people. I yeah, mean, but think
1: of like Doctors Without Borders. So it's, hmm. you know, p- people in a, a developed, more developed country Take their skills and then they go set up shop mm-hmm. in a community somewhere else where people would never have access to those kind of ear surgeries or something. Yeah. In this biblical vision, that's an expression of Mishpat.
0: Mm. What would they mean back then, open the eyes of the blind? That would be a miracle. I mean, that's not like.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point.
0: He opens the eyes is that, of is the it, blind. Is it, is it a metaphor? Is
1: that a. Uh, it's connected to prisoners. So, if you're in a dark prison, you're opening the eyes of the blind. Yeah. That's a great point.
0: Yeah, is it a metaphor for something more spiritual or something? Because nowadays, yeah, like we can go. Yeah. I I I worked for Lexotica's nonprofit. uh, And what's their name? But um, they just take eyeglasses to people who don't have access to them. Mm -hmm. And they're essentially people who are blind. And all they need is some corrective lenses in front of their face and they can see. But yeah. back then, I don't know if there was that technology.
1: Huh. Um, yeah. You just stumped me right now. <laughs> yeah. What is this metaphor of opening the eyes of the blind? I mean, of course, our minds go to the- Medical na- side Narratives. Of oh, yeah. Our minds go to medical or to the narratives about Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Um, opening the eyes of the blind. Jesus did that um, a number of times. Yeah, but but opening the eyes of the blind, I'm now thinking about it. it's a common motif in the prophets connected to... Um, yeah, you have
0: eyes, but you can't the, see
1: oh, oh, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm saying the eyes of the blind being opened mm. is con- in a matrix of ideas and themes about the the new exodus. Oh, really? Based on the old exodus. Yeah, so it appears like in Isaiah 35... The day of salvation's come, your God is here to save you. The eyes of the blind will be opened. the ears of the deaf and stop the lame leap like a deer, so these are all it's kind
0: of a new creation, yes, yeah, image,
1: yeah, I need to think about that more, yeah, yep,
0: but mishpot is so radical yes. that it reverses yes uh physical ailments that's right, yeah, like I think that's the point, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here we are in a yeah,
1: and and the whole point is praising God because He's the embodiment. I think it's it's almost the poems asking us to say wherever you see mishpat happening in the world, Mm. you're seeing God's will carried out. Mm. He's the one who upholds mishpat for the oppressed, Mm. Um, because these poems are celebrations of this is God's will that the quartet of the vulnerable are cared for. But it's rooted in the history of what God has, in fact, done.
0: Yeah, because because Israel was an <clears throat> oppressed nation, mm-hmm. uh, an oppressed people group, I should say. Slaves yes. in Egypt, Yeah, treated brutally, yeah. Building, building the empire mm-hmm. of Egypt. Their mishpat was being abused and neglected. Yeah. Yeah. And then God rescued them. Mm-hmm. And that then becomes... Mm -hmm. For them, like the central... It's their foundation story. It's their foundation story. And and the
1: Exodus story is where God, the God of Israel, first revealed himself to the people. Mm. So if you go through the storyline, he'd revealed himself uniquely to Abraham and the family of Abraham. But by the time of Exodus, they're like being reintroduced to the God of their ancestors. Yeah, all of them. And who is he? He's like, well, this is Exodus chapter 6. I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because of the Egyptians holding them in bondage. I have remembered my covenant promise to Abraham and so on. So say to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of mishpat. So the, the Exodus story is like, if you could look up an ancient Israelite, Theology dictionary <laughs> of Mishpat. Yeah, I would start there. It would say what God did for us in rescuing us from slavery in Egypt. It's what gives the word its meaning. This is why the poet can say God is the one who upholds Mishpat. By doing what? Setting prisoners free. Raising up those bowed down. And they celebrate the story of Passover. So, so Passover is it's a, it's a freedom and justice celebration. Hmm. It's telling. Is Fourth of July? It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and there's all kinds of passages in the Torah about. Just one example in Deuteronomy 20. When your son asks you, "What are all of these judgments and statutes of the Torah?" And that word judgment is mishpat. What are all of these all these laws that create restorative mishpat in our community? And you shall say to your son, "Hey, we used to be slaves." God brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand. He brought us out of there to bring us into the land. This is why God wants us to live this way as a community. The Exodus story defines mishpat. Mm. It's, it's a, why should
0: I care about justice? Mm-hmm. And why is it written in our laws? Mm-hmm. Why do we make such a big deal about this? Mm-hmm. Why are we supposed to be merciful? Why do I make somebody
1: else's problem my problem? My problem?
0: Yeah. And there's and there is a bunch of very, essentially kind of radical mm-hmm. rules in the Torah about yes. like yes. the year of jubilee and different things where it's mm-hmm. it requires a lot of yes. mercy to say okay yeah. I have this yep. land but it would be better if it was yours yeah and so every seven years it's going to go back to you that's right
1: um, yeah yeah if you uh, made a bad business deal you hit there was a famine. You can't afford your property anymore. You have to sell it. Every uh, yeah. jubilee cycle, every 49 years. Oh, every 49 years. Yep. The land goes back. Not every seven. But years. every seven years. Um, debt's are? Debt's. Yeah, people who have had to sell themselves okay. because of debts. All their wages are garnished. The debt gets erased.
0: Yeah. So, um, why, yeah, so why do we? you care so much about, and why are these yes. laws in there? Yes. And then they would say, well, look. This is our history. Yes. We were rescued. We were oppressed. Yeah. And God showed us mishpat. hmm Which in, in both senses, like it was retreat. Yeah, sure. They, was, deser- they were being right. treated r- yep. wrongly. Yeah, yeah. And so they were rescued from that. Yep. From abuses.
1: Yes. Yeah. So God brought recompense, recompense. On, on Egypt, on yeah. the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And he protected the mishpat of the vulnerable and brought them into a place where they could then flourish and provide for themselves and so on. Yeah. So this, is, yeah, it's all connected with all these other laws in the Torah about like, if you own land, if you own an olive orchard, you know, don't go through the trees a second time. Mm. Um, and leave the hedges of Leave your... those for the quartet of the vulnerable, mm. the widow, the orphan. And it's not, it's actually, it's totally different than... Our definition of charity, which is you just hand somebody food. Yeah. The point is, is give they, them opportunity. they live on this land. They live in the land of Israel too, which mm-hmm. is ultimately a gift hmm. to the tribes in the first place. So you actually don't own that land. You're hmm. just, your tribe is stewarding it right now. Hmm. And so the mishpat of the widow and the orphan is to go through the second gleaning of that orchard. Hmm. And it's for them. Hmm. Like that's the, one of the laws of the Torah. Is that um,
0: different than keeping the borders of it? You're supposed to not pick the borders or something.
1: Oh well, that's just about not stealing
0: other another tribe's land. No, I thought around. there was like a rule about not harvesting the edge. Oh, the
1: edges of your field. Yep, that's right. So there, it's like wheat harvest. Yeah, but there's another one about um, olive trees. Okay, that those are two. Go problems. through and glean it once. where you beat the branches okay. with sticks uh-huh. and all the ripe olives fall? Yeah, and take then, those. In theory, you could maximize profit. Yeah, beat from them those again. Trees. And do it again in a couple of days. Mm. And the law was, no, that actually doesn't belong to you. Hmm. It belongs to the widow. The, yeah. It's the mishpat. Just like the mishpat of the Levites is mm. one-tenth. It's the mishpat of the vulnerable to, to go work and provide for themselves on your land. That's how the Israelites rolled. And, and, I mean, listen, we can point out all these other laws in the Old Testament that, yeah. that don't feel that way. Right. <laughs> There's plenty of them. Yeah. So what, So what's God doing? He's pushing Israel towards greater mishpat. Yeah. What he's not doing... Is making them a perfect society. Is making... Yeah. Or even I would just say making them like what our vision of the ideal society is. Mm. But that's just the way God rolls throughout the, history, the story of the Bible Is he works with people, as he finds them. He comes
0: them. to wh- yeah, where you are and pushes you forward. And he pushes
1: you forward mm. in a way that will make... Mm you stand out and feel uncomfortable, but also won't make you an alien in Mm -hmm. your culture. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, really powerful. It's cool. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bible Project Podcast. Next week we'll continue this conversation on justice in the Bible. Our theme video on justice will be released on our YouTube channel when it's ready. There's a lot of other theme videos there that you can watch and a lot more conversations on this podcast if you haven't listened to some of the older ones. The mission of The Bible Project is to show that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus, that the Bible is literary genius, and has wisdom for the modern world. This is a crowdfunded nonprofit, so you can join us and pitch in for the next video, or you can contribute to all the next videos we're making. See what we're up to at thebibleproject.com. Thanks for being a part of this with us.